we, 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 we use really happy music on that versus the ominous music we usually use because there's nothing but good information at these, which is, I think, why I like doing these so much because it's nothing but good stuff. I never get any nasty emails after a vision service. It's always good, positive stuff. So, for real though, um, I'm like Kyle. I, I really enjoy these weekends because it's a time when we kind of get to see uh, sometimes in clear numbers and, and figures how productive of a church we've been. And it's encouraging and it's, uh, it's really nice because sometimes, you know, humans can be... Um, problematic, and uh, all of us as Christians, you know, it's easy to get discouraged by how many things are, how many things are going on in the world, and it's nice to be reminded every once in a while that, that the kingdom of God is advancing. We are doing amazing things. We are seeing amazing things in our city and other cities and all around the world because of our congregation, and so I hope tonight is an encouragement for you. If you've never been here before, I used to be intimidated when first-time people would come to vision services, because I'm like, ah, oh, this isn't what we normally do. I'm usually teaching through the Bible, and I'm more comfortable with that. Over the years, though, I've had a lot of people come to me and say, man, my first service was the vision service, and it was so good to see what you guys do. And so I, I think that's the case. Um, if you're new, uh, these are something that, that is very important to us, because it gives you a lot of clarity on what we do, why we do it, and hopefully what we're going to accomplish in the future. So. Anyways, all that being said, <clears throat> you should have got a notes handout when you walked in. Uh, don't read through it yet, because I'm excited to tell you some of the stuff that's in there. So you can follow along, but don't read ahead. Um, everything will be on the screens. Everything will be on the Experience Community app. If you have that, if you don't have that, you should get that. I'll talk about it briefly throughout um, this, this lesson or this, this vision service, but glad you guys are here. I know a lot of people have been getting sick and the weather's looking a little crazy and all that kind of stuff, so glad you're here. But um, let me pray. We'll jump into this, and I hope you guys are encouraged tonight, because I'm just going to be bragging about you. So you're the church, and you're doing amazing things, and, and um, I think you're going to be impressed with, with what we've been accomplishing. Lord, we love you. God, you're so good to us. Lord, you have blessed us. You have given us um, so many fantastic opportunities. You've shown us grace. You've provided for us. Lord, I thank you for this church, and I pray for this church, God. We pray, Lord, not only for our church, though, we pray that you bless every church in our community, God, that you would grow them, that you would strengthen them, give them wisdom. God, we pray for our other campuses and all the churches in those areas. We pray, God, for the churches we work with up in New England and the churches we work with in Africa and El Salvador and Southeast Asia and all the different places where we've just been very fortunate, God, to, uh, to be your hands and feet a little bit. Lord, keep your hand on us tonight. God, um, the last couple of years have been tumultuous, and Lord, this one looks like it'll probably be the same. So, Father, we just pray that you strengthen us. Lord, make us the light that we need to be in this dark time. Let us be the salt that we need to be, God, in this uh, very dry season, Lord. God, we love you. We thank you. You're good to us. We pray all these things in your son's name, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I remember when we first started the church, I was all anti-vision statements. I always thought that was really corporate-y, and I used to be really rebellious once upon a time. And um, I'm like, we're not gonna have a vision service, right? Or vision statement. And then you start reading the Bible, and you're like, Jesus kind of had a vision statement, so maybe I should too. <laughs> so about a year after we started the church, we prayed about it a lot, and we just came up with a, a, a very simple vision for our church, and it's this. It's all around the building. 
all on our literature. It's all over our website. We say it a lot. To lead people to Christ through authentic worship, authentic community, and authentic community service. Very, very simple. And again, I'm not ashamed to say I plagiarize that straight from Jesus. What Jesus says in the book of Matthew, if you've ever read the book of Matthew, at the end of the book of Matthew, Jesus is ascending into heaven. He looks down at what is to be the church and he gives them what is called the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. This is what he says, go out to all nations, disciple them, baptize them, teach them to do everything that I've taught you to do. Now that's very, very simple. That's not a complicated command. But the reason why we have the entire New Testament is carrying those three things out can be tricky when you're dealing with people. So we have the instructions of the Bible to show us what to teach, how to teach it, what to do with with people to make disciples that make more disciples. And so we learn from reading and studying the Bible how we are to do the great commission that Jesus told us to do. Now, what our particular church does, what this specific church does, is we basically take all the instructions of the New Testament and the the kind of main things that we're to do as believers, and we just kind of created this very, very simple process. This is all our church does. If you are new here, we may be the most simple church you've ever been to. Extremely simple. This is it. We do worship, which you're doing right now. Congratulations, you're already 20% through the discipleship process just by being here, right? So we do weekend services, We always announce the next class. I'll tell you what all these things are here in a second. And then we hope to get you in this circle of development classes and going to small group and then somehow serving your community or your church. That's it. That's all we do here. This is it. And this is our way of just trying to make disciples and create more disciples as we go out and build the kingdom of God. So real quick, the first thing which you are doing right now is our worship gatherings. So ever since Christianity began in the book of Acts, Acts chapter two, that's where the church was birthed. Ever since the birth of the church and through all the book of Revelation, right, which is the future, the majority of it, the Bible tells us that we are to meet corporately like this. A big frustration of mine, something that kind of irks me is when I hear quote unquote Christians say, I love Jesus, but I don't have to be at church. That's like saying, I love your husband, but I hate your wife. The church is the bride of Christ and us getting together corporately is all through the scripture. You will not find it anywhere in the scripture that says we are not to gather together, at least on a weekly basis. It is all throughout scripture. In fact, the book of Hebrews says we should be doing it more and more. It should be more of a priority the closer and closer Jesus' return gets. Because corporate worship brings us closer to each other and to God. It activates joy. I can't tell you how many times I've come into this place as the pastor and just being like, man, I don't wanna be here. And then we start worshiping and I'm like, man, God's good. This is where I need to be, right? Makes you feel better. It reassures us. It it tunes us back into what God is doing. It prepares us to go back out in the world and sometimes feel very alone in the world and to be the light that we're supposed to be and to be the salt that we're supposed to be. This is important is what I'm saying. That's what I'm getting at. Now, at this particular church, again, we do our weekend services actually like they've been doing it ever since the church has existed. What we do is we focus very, very heavily on expository teaching, which means we go book by book, chapter by chapter, line by line, word by word through the Bible. We're in 1 Corinthians. We'll pick up in chapter 2 next week, and that's what we do. And the reason why we do that is when you go word for word, chapter by chapter, book by book through this, it makes it impossible for us to skip the hard stuff. 
You're, that's really gonna make sense when I get to 1 Corinthians chapter six. <laughs> all of you are gonna go, oh, he talked about this in vision service, right? All of us are gonna be offended that day, every single one of us. All of us are gonna be upset, right? So it, it prohibits us from, cro- from, from crossing out the hard things. Not only does teaching the word expositorily like that keep us from cutting out the hard things, it also puts the word in proper context. You guys ever been to, and I'm not trying to make fun of anyone, you ever been to a church where they'll pick one verse, pull it way out of context, make it say all kinds of things that it's not trying to say? Like Philippians chapter four, I can do all things to Christ that gives me strength. That means I can always win those basketball games. Nope, had nothing to do with that. If you read that whole chapter, it means that you can be persecuted and almost killed for your faith and still persevere because the Lord gives you strength. Has nothing to do with sports. Has everything to do with persecution. But we take it way out of context when we don't teach the whole chapter. That's why we teach the whole chapter. Going through the Bible like this helps us comprehend it. I can't tell you how many people have walked up to me over the years and been like, man, I used to be afraid of the Bible, but it's not that hard. And I'm like, it's not. It's crazy. If you just read a book the way it's supposed to be read, like it's not that complicated. And you can do a little bit of research or maybe I can fill in the blanks on the weekend. You can comprehend it. And it also creates a love for the word. Man, this is an amazing piece of literature amongst so many other things. It is divinely put together. And when you read it, there's some crazy stuff in that book. (laughs) Crazy stuff. And it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. And there is a love for the word when we work through it like that. And it just grows us quicker. When we work through the Bible strategically like that, it's gonna make you a more mature Christian a lot faster than if we didn't do that. Another thing we do on the weekend services, and if you've been here, you, you know what I'm talking about. We always offer communion. And the reason why we always offer communion is no matter what we talk about, even like today, vision service, at the end of this, it always ends with the cross and Jesus every service, right? And so we always do communion because it always brings it back to Jesus and what Jesus has done for us on the cross. It's a time for us to reflect, to repent, to slow down for a minute. We always have people on the right and left to pray for you if you need anything. And then we always have a pastor on the side of the stage to answer any questions that anyone might have. Um, We're a church that has grown very rapidly and all kinds of people come into this place And so there's always people who are non-believers or they're looking for the truth or they have a lot of questions and they've never been to church. That's why we always have a pastor at the corner of the stage. We will at the end of this service as well, okay? So you go from the weekend service and then we love for people to come to the next class, which is not really a class. The second Monday of every month, you can come in. We have pizza and we have coffee and water and give you a tour of this big old, old building and um, I tell you my story, my testimony. We tell you how you start, uh, how we started the church. Let you ask questions, and um, we just try to get you plugged in. And something I say at every next class is: if God wants you here, man, dive in. You're going to love this place, but you got to dive in. I also say: if God, if you do not like this place, and if God does not want you here, let us help you find another church where you can get plugged in. And I mean it with all sincerity. But we invite people. We do the next class every single month, typically the second Monday of every single month. We just had one this last week. Now, so you go from worship to an X class, pretty painless so far, and then we'd love for you to get involved in some kind of community. The reason why we push community so much is we are made in the image of a communal God. What does that mean? God is a trinity, a Father, Son, and Spirit. That means that God within himself is perfect community. 
If we are made in the image of a communal God, that means that we are to be communal. Now, if you go back and read your Bible, especially the book of Acts, it talks about the church. When I say the church, I'm not talking about the experience, I'm talking about Christianity. Has always met corporately on the weekends and in each other's homes throughout the week. Small groups isn't a new thing. It's been going on ever since the church has existed. And they're important because that's where you're held accountable. That's where uh, accountability is fostered. That's where deep discussion happens. So we can't really have discussion in here. And even though this may be a little bit thinner of a crowd, like on, on the weekends when you have four or 5,000 people in this room throughout the four services, we can't like, hey, Corey, what'd you mean by that? We can't really like have this kind of discussion. But in small groups, you can. It develops friendship, right? We try to make our small groups intergenerational. We're trying to move away less, we're, we're trying to move away from, from doing uh, a lot of small groups that are like just specific to one age group or just couples, or, and we're trying to make them more blended. The reason why is because there's people that are different from you and you need to hang out with people different from you. And younger people need to be around older people and older people need to be around younger people because we like lose touch and don't know what's cool anymore. So it's good to be around people younger than us. Oh, that's cool, got it, right? And so it is important for us to live kind of blended. And this is where in your small groups, I don't know why you guys are laughing up here. Anyways, no, I'm just joking. Because he's not cool. No. Um, it's also where we get support. So if you're in the hospital, your small group's gonna know, right? If you're hurting, your small group's gonna know. If you need prayer requests, your small group can pray for you. So it's important to have community. Another thing is we want our groups to be intentional. What that means is if you're in a group, we want you to reach out to your friends and if they don't feel comfortable in a big church, hey, come to my small group, right? Let them get to know some people, reach people, disciple people. We hope that groups grow and that they multiply, right? Our goal is not just to create a bunch of clicks. We want you to reach out to your neighbors, reach out to your friends, and hopefully it becomes a problem where you're like, man, we gotta make two groups. My buddy Shane that does uh, men's groups here, he started like 10. That's no exaggeration because they keep growing and growing and well, we gotta start another group. And what that forces people to do is it forces people to step up and be a disciple maker. Don't just sit and consume. Now it's time for you, it's time for you to lead. So listen, if you're in a group and maybe we don't know about it, we're not trying to micromanage or control you, but so we can help you, so we can put your group on the app, so we can get you any training material or whatever the case we need, please email carl at experiencecc.com so we can help you in any way. At least, at the very least, just get the word out that you have a group so we can get people there and we can get more people plugged into community. Cheka looks like he's in really deep thought right here in this picture, that's why I liked it. The next thing is development. So you got worship, you got next, you have community, and then development. Development is basically like theological development. We have a class called Following Jesus. It's, I, I say it's like a 101, right? It's kind of like the basis, the foundation of Christian teaching. Seven weeks long, prayer and worship, the Bible, baptism and communion, the Holy Trinity, the church, how to share our faith and discipleship. We have one starting January 18th. If you haven't signed up, you can sign up on the app or you can send us an email, or you can sign up on the website. It's totally free. We wrote all the literature for it. I say we, I didn't write any of the literature, but people that work at this church wrote the literature for it. It's really, really good. Please consider getting involved in that. And if you don't know anyone here, you'll meet a lot of people in that. They'll break you off into groups. You'll get to know a lot of people. It's a really cool space to kind of get plugged in. From that, we have one called Authentic Discipleship, which I would kind of call like our 201. 
It's a 12-week class. We have one starting in January uh, on the 25th. It says January on the 25th of this month. And what this class is, is now that you have your foundation kind of set, this is a class that teaches you how to go out and make disciples. This is how you go out and do it, how you take your Christianity out, touch people's hearts, build relationships with them. Another thing is if you have the app on your smartphone, the Discovery Bible Study is on the app. If you click on Home and then Development and then DBS, it's really cool if you've never looked at it. They use it a lot in Africa. And it's a way that you can basically start a small group anywhere at any time. And so if you open that up on your phone, if you're at a coffee shop and you and two other people are sitting there talking, you can like pull it out without them even noticing. Go to that and it's got this way of walking you through Genesis and Exodus and walking through the Bible, walking through different lessons, certain questions to ask. It's like a small group study guide right there all the time. It's really, really handy. So this is a good tool as well. Um, We have experience finance starting up, which is free again. And so if you wanna sign up for this, Uh, We start February 6th. We'll do a couple of more of these. As the year goes on, it just talks about how to budget money, how to get out of debt, how to handle money biblically, how to be just responsible with your finances, offering that for free. We have a class called Preparing for Marriage. Um, You have to be engaged to sign up for this. Um, We had 33 couples go through it last year. That's 66 people all together. And so if you wanna go through that, you just sign up on the app. We have one starting up in February. And if it's full, we'll have more coming up later on in the year. All right. The last step is serving. And this is kind of our church's bread and butter, right? We do this very, very well. Outside of the church, besides all the nonprofits that we work with that you can serve with, we do a lot of things that is from the church, but we go outside of the church to do it, like 5,000, where we work with the homeless community over at Journey Home. We do that every Sunday morning. We've been doing that for almost 13 years straight. We work with Stepping Stones, which is across the street, but we house two weekends a month women and children who are homeless. They stay right back here by my office. If you want to get back, um, if you want to get involved with that and help with that, we cook meals for them. They come to service, um, and, and we just people stay overnight with them just to make sure they're safe. But if you want to get involved in that, one of my favorite ministries is we do something called Embrace Grace, which deals with single women who have had unintended pregnancies. Let me, I'm just gonna pause here for a second. There's two ways for Christians to address the issue of abortion. There is the yelling, screaming, condemning, calling women evil and the awful way of addressing it, or there's the way of addressing it the way Jesus would address it and show love and show tenderness and show care and pray for them and help these young moms, even if they've chosen to have abortions in the past, we welcome them in, we minister to them, we help them pray and show them a God that is gracious and quick to forgive if they ask for forgiveness. And so this is what this ministry does. We work with women that have unintended pregnancies or have been through an abortion. We have bar ministry. Um, You don't get to go in the bars. You hang outside of the bars. Travis has a big hot dog sign and sometimes people dress up as hot dogs and we have hundreds of hot dogs every single Friday night on the square and when people pile out of the bars, we give them hot dogs, we give them coffee, we give them water, try to sober them up so they don't get in their car and drive home drunk. Um, If you've ever been around intoxicated people, you don't have to bring up God, they typically bring up God. So it gives us a really easy opportunity, I'm just being real here, gives us a really good opportunity to talk about Jesus and why are you giving me a hot dog, bro? Because Jesus loves you. And so we get to talk about it and it creates all these relationships. We've baptized a lot of people from bar throughout the years. 
Um, we do a great ministry called Reclaimed. We have a big jail just about a mile down the road this way. We do work with women and men who are incarcerated if you wanna get involved in that. Um, now that's outside of the church. There's a lot of work to do inside of the church too. Have a lot of people that come to this church, have a lot of children, a lot of babies, a lot of middle schoolers, high schoolers, um, a lot of stuff that needs to be done. So if you wanna sign up for Echo, our production team, if you wanna sign up for hospitality, we always need people to help with Emerge. If you're not familiar with Emerge, that is our special needs ministry that works with children. We have about 65 families that we work with um, where we have our sensory rooms and they're included with everything that, that the other kids do. But if you wanna volunteer with that, we always need more help with that. We have just launched at one of our services at this one, Emerge for Adults and Teens. Happens right behind uh, the sanctuary in a room back here. We wanna grow that to more services, but we need more volunteers. If people don't volunteer, we cannot grow it to other services, okay? So if you wanna get involved with adults and teens with special needs with Emerge, always need help with our medical team and security team and all kinds of other things that you can do here. Just get on the app. You can sign up for anything to get plugged in and involved. So those are our five steps, right? Our discipleship process. Outside of that, something very, very important to us is missions. So my friend Tara, uh, I always joke around, she's about four foot five or something. She is very, very short. Um, she doesn't just look short, she, she is. Uh, and she's probably gonna watch this this weekend and send me an email. But she lives in Jinja, Uganda. We have a house there, our church does. We've had it for, uh, man, I guess almost four years now. We've had a house out there. Jinja, Uganda is, is about the size of Murfreesboro, a couple hundred thousand people. It's in Africa, so it's a third world country, very poor. These are all street kids around Tara. And um, street kids in Uganda are the roughest of the rough. Most of these boys have been homeless since they've been about three, four years old. These are the kids that you see in, you know, in the movies and stuff who are running around the streets completely naked, um, eating garbage and trying to do whatever they can to survive. Uh, they're rough. These are the ones you have to watch out for. Um, these are the ones that, that, that will hurt you, they will kill you. Uh, the first time I ever went to Africa, there was a little boy, I was in a park, and there was a little boy who was about six, little kid, and he had all these wounds all over his stomach, open wounds. And so I'm down here, not thinking that the AIDS population there is like 35%. And I'm sitting there and I'm taking some, some gauze, and I'm taking some peroxide and I'm cleaning up this kid's stomach, just doing the best I can. And I asked one of the older kids, I said, what happened to his stomach? How did this happen? And he was scarred all over his body, but his stomach was bleeding. I said, what's up with this kid? What happened? And one of the older kids said that some American gave this kid a bunch of shillings walked around the corner and some other street kids came and lit him on fire and took his money. I'm sitting here cleaning up this kid's wounds, right? So what we've been able to do is Tara has gone over there and she is working, I'm jumping way ahead of myself, and she works with a lot of these street kids, baptized like 100 of them so far, something crazy. I'll get to that here in a second. So when we talk about missions, we're not just talking about overseas. We wanna start locally. So we started this church in 09, Started Cannon County in 17, Shelbyville in 2021, Crossland and Antioch in 2021. So right now we have four churches in four counties. We want to eventually do churches in all the counties of Tennessee if they need us. Now, I don't know if I'll ever see that in my lifetime because there's 90 plus, but I wanna start working towards it. So what we've started doing to help us plant more churches is we have an internal residential training program. We've just hired eight people to, to train them up for a year and either fill spots so people can go plant more churches here or they will go out and plant more churches around the state. 
We also have something called the network. Because we have multiple churches and we don't wanna like hire the same position over and over again, we don't wanna hire four accountants. So we create kind of a central hub called the network where we have one accountant that does all the accounting for all of our church plants. The reason we're doing this is so if we wanna plant 25 churches, we don't have to hire 25 different positions. We have like a central hub that can handle the videos, the audio, the, the production stuff, the, the accounting, all of those things for them, okay? That's in our state. Outside of our state, we've sponsored about eight churches over the years, but currently right now we sponsor four churches in the Northeast, one in Vermont, Delaware, New York, and Massachusetts. Now, this has been extremely difficult the last three years because of COVID. I used to go up there every single year. I'd spend a lot of time. I would take a team with me. We still financially contribute. But for instance, our, our church that we sponsor in uh, Albany, City Church, my buddy Mike, they had been shut down for a year and a half. They just started in-person services like in the last two months. And so they've been completely shut down. But let me tell you, since they started doing in-person services, they started a church in Staten Island. They started a church in Queens. They're in the city and in Albany. So he'll preach in Albany, hop on a train two hours into the city, and he'll preach at two more churches. So he's, he's killing it up there. But we're partnering with these churches. They're doing a great job. So COVID has made that difficult, but we're doing everything we can to still support those churches up there. Now, so our state, our nation, our world. Um, we've been working in El Salvador for about 12 years now, mostly with kids at a place called Kids Castle, hundreds of elementary age students. We do a lot of work in Uganda. Again, Tara is not just working with street kids, um, baptizing them, teaching them, getting them off the streets, getting them jobs. Man, these kids are like saying, yes, ma'am, and no, sir, and she's teaching them etiquette, teaching them how to read. She's getting them literally off the streets, into jobs, into homes. She's doing a fantastic job. Not just that stuff, though. We have had the opportunity. Tara has been teaching all kinds of pastors over there our Following Jesus course. See, over in Uganda, they don't have access to Bibles like we do. So because of you guys, we have bought thousands and thousands of Bibles in Lugandan, that's their, that's their language, given it to all kinds of churches. So now they love Jesus, but they didn't really have any idea of doctrine or, or what good theology was. Now they do. And so Tara gets there, teaches them this following Jesus course that we wrote, and it's in Lugandan. We have it translated into Lugandan. And then those pastors can teach their congregations that following Jesus course. And so now, not only do we have a lot of people who love Jesus, they have good theology. They know how to make disciples. Very, very important. We sponsor Becky and Topher King. Um, I can't tell you exactly where they live because I don't even know because what they do is very dangerous, but they live in Southeast Asia. And Becky and Topher build radio stations on the border of nations where it is illegal to spread the gospel, and they broadcast the Bible being read 24-7 over nations where it's illegal. We sponsor them. They come to church here when they're not in Africa, or I'm sorry, not in Asia. We work with mentor leaders that does stuff in Haiti, in Togo, Africa, and then we have the Arabic ministry that actually meets here, Majid and Muhammad. Uh, Muhammad works here, but they do the Arabic ministry, which is training Americans how to go out and minister to Arabs. We have a huge Arab population in Middle Tennessee and a lot in Murfreesboro. So that's what we're doing for our world. Now, oddly enough, I usually hate this part, um, but I'm really excited to tell you a little bit about our finances. So last year, our budget was 6.3 million. Last year, you guys gave 8.3 million which is pretty amazing, right? Yeah, you can clap because it's for you. I didn't do it. You know what I mean? I give, but it was all you guys. So here's what we typically do. 
what we do, because I'm very conservative when it comes to money. I told you that earlier, I'm a tightwad. So what we do is whatever we gave the previous year, we set for the budget for the following year. So if you guys gave 8.3 last year, our budget for this year will be 8.3. That's what we're gonna build it off of. Now our budget has gotten more complicated because there's a lot more moving parts, multiple churches, this MIT program, the network, all that stuff. But I'm gonna lay out for you every single dollar that comes into all of our churches, okay? The first thing is this, administration. Typically a church gives 45 to 55% of their total budget to staff, and that does not include their benefits. Our total staff budget is $2.55 million, which I know sounds like a lot, it is a lot, but it's less than 31% of our budget, and that includes our benefits. The reason why I tell you that, we have 95 people that get a paycheck from this church. About half of those are part-time, the other half are full-time. The reason why I tell you that is I want you to know none of us are getting rich. We are not getting rich off this, okay? None of us. Our MIT, our ministers and training program, the eight people we just hired, it costs us $378,000 a year and that includes their benefits. They're not getting rich either is why I'm telling you this. We have other administration. We have the sheriff's department here um, on the weekends. We have the police department here throughout the week when all the student ministries are going on. Outside CPA, maintenance team, et cetera, that money's there. Um, mortgage, I put on there what's a mortgage because one, don't clap yet, hold on. <laughs> What's more, one, we've never technically had a mortgage. This church has never technically been in debt at all. When we decided to buy this building three years and 11 months ago, I approached Joe Swanson, who used to own the building, and I said, I wanna buy it, but I don't wanna take out a loan. I don't believe in loans. And he said, okay, why don't you just pay me directly? And I said, okay. And he said, do you wanna do it over 15 years? And I said, no, we'll either pay it off in five years or we're not gonna do it. So I'm really, really proud to say, as of February 15th, coming up here in less than a month, right? We will have paid off $4.8 million for this building in three years and 11 months. So. Now, let me tell you why that's such a big deal. That frees up $200,000 every single month for us to do ministry. Two, our salaries aren't gonna go up. Our, we're not gonna like, we're gonna do some things to this building because we've been neglecting it for three years and 11 months. <laughs> Yeah, Jason just said it. So here's, here's the thing I'm most excited about. Last year, we gave away $1.6 million. This year, we have budgeted out $2.5 million that we're gonna give away. Two, that's 30% of our budget. Now, here's what's neat, and this is a brag on you guys. Last year, and I suspect the same thing will happen in 2022, last year, our church gave $1.6 million, but on top of the $1.6 million, you guys would go back to that... Uh, community desk every single month when we have our highlight, and over the year gave an extra $400,000 cash out of your pocket. So last year, we gave away $2 million. This year, we will probably easily touch $3 million total that we will give out to nonprofits and to benevolence and people who need it. Guys, that's amazing. Um, very few churches ever get to do anything like that, and I'm bragging on you. Ministry expenses, operational costs, Jason brought it up a second ago. So we have been neglecting this building for a while. Here's the fun thing about our building. When it rains outside, you know, because it rains inside too a little bit. So we're gonna start fixing this roof. Um, we're gonna start fixing the roof a little bit. Um, we're gonna get all of this HVAC out of here. I know everyone loves the shotgun sound over here in the middle of service. 
you know, you're like really into the word, man, Corey's bringing it. And then kapow, and you're like, I don't remember anything he said. That's what happens if you sit over here. It sounds like a shotgun blast about three times a service. Um, we're gonna get all these out and get those really silent little like crazy ones that, that you don't hear. I'm looking forward to that. We're eventually gonna replace this carpet. It's not cheetah print, those are coffee stains. And so um, <laughs> we're eventually gonna get the, for worship nights when we would clear this out, I'm like, my God, these, this, this floor. Anyways, something else we're gonna do, I think, is we're gonna do a covered entrance over here. And the reason why is there's a lot of uh, individuals that are handicapped or have special needs. And if it's raining real hard or something, it's hard for them to even get into the church. So we'll create some kind of a drive-through thing over here at this entrance probably so they can get in okay. So there's some things we need to do around here that we have been putting off. And once we get all that stuff done in 2023, uh, our giving's gonna go up even more. So here's the thing about money at this church. I do not know who gives at this church. I do not care to know who gives at this church. And people argue, is it a New Testament thing to tithe or not tithe? Give 10% of your income to the work of the church. Listen, I'll leave that between you and God, but it is impossible to read the New Testament and not see that giving financially and being generous is not a part of advancing the gospel. If we're gonna buy Bibles, listen, Last year, you guys were responsible for putting 35,000 Bibles in Russian elementary schools. That takes money. But listen, that's money well spent, guys. And so we just need to understand that it's gonna take a financial commitment in order to advance the gospel. So how are we doing? Um, good, really good. Worship nights last year were fantastic. We have a worship night coming up at, at the, uh, uh, the Coliseum. Is it Miller Coliseum over there on Thompson Lane? We have one coming up next month. Our weekend services are at about 75% of what they were pre-COVID. Pre-COVID, we ran about 6,000 people. We're running about 4,500 to 5,000 right now. And um, that's better than most churches. Most churches are running 35, 40, 50% of what they were two, three years ago. Um, so you know, let, let me tell you what I learned from that, though. I, I kind of learned what the real church was. We may have ran 6,000, but that really wasn't our church. And I've learned over the last couple of years that, of course, we need to see if the church is growing. Churches need to grow. I believe in that. But that's not the most important metric if we're being successful or not. If we're making disciples, baptizing, and teaching, that's what we're called to do. That being said, last year, even amongst all the craziness, uh, we still baptized almost 300 people last year, which is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. So the authentic worship piece going really, really well, the authentic community piece we have 130 small groups that we know of. There's probably more than that. I would love for you to just let Carl know that you're out there, right? And so we have 100 groups that are, that are often on the app. Some of them are not on the app because they're closed, they're full. We have 30 plus groups using DBS. We put 604 people through following Jesus, 113 through authentic discipleship, 66 people through preparing for marriage. So that community piece is very, very strong. And then the serving piece is kind of what our church is known for. Um, we're giving away more money than we've ever given away. We're more involved than we've ever been able to be involved. We're doing more community projects than we've ever done. Of course, we always need more help. We need more help in the doors. We need more help outside of the doors. There's a lot of work to be done in our church, in our city, around the surrounding counties that we're involved in. But we are very, very proud that we've been established as a church that has a reputation for valuing the city and helping the city. Let me brag on this, this church just for a second. When COVID was kind of in its peak and everything was shutting down, the government could not do court. They could not do drug court at City Hall here in Murfreesboro. 
So one of the judges who actually comes to church here, Lisa, she gave me a call and she said, hey, the government's gonna shut down drug court. So all these guys who need drug court to stay sober and we don't have anywhere to meet because of the, the CDC guidelines. Do you have any ideas? I said, Lisa, why don't you just have it here? You can meet in our student center. There's a ton of space. They can sit six feet apart from each other. So for like two months, you would walk in our building and you'd see all these people parked on this side. And if you peeked into the student center, you'd literally see a judge in a robe with a gavel on a fold out like uh, plastic table and all these people in court over here every single week for like two months because the city, when they had nowhere else to turn, the city turned to us. And we're that church. And I take a lot of pride in that, a healthy pride that they see us as a church that values the city, values the community. That's you guys. So what are we gonna do? So here's the thing. Because we don't have to worry about paying off a stupid building, I hate putting money into a stupid building. Because we don't have to worry about any of that anymore, the benevolence will go from 20% last year to this year, it'll be 30%, $2.5 million. Our eventual goal, I put this in the first book I ever wrote, my eventual goal is to where we give away half of everything that comes in. And I'm gonna tell you, 2023, we may get really darn close to that. And I think this is us using our money in a way that honors God. We're not building big monstrous things. We're not putting it in goofy shenanigans. We're putting it back into the community. Not only will we, be able, will we be able to give more out with benevolence and nonprofits, we'll be able to have money to plant more churches. In the next couple of years, when we start really rapidly planting churches, we're not gonna have to worry about taking out loans or doing it. We'll be able to walk up to a piece of property, an old building on a square somewhere in Manchester or McMinnville or Winchester, wherever we decide to plant a church, and we just buy it in cash. And we just have the people there ready to start a church, and we do it. That's exciting. Not only that, we can actually do some things around here that'll make it a little bit more efficient and accessible for you guys. Again, like the carport. So people who are handicapped or people that, that struggle to get in will have some better access, have some other things going on to make it a little bit more comfortable around here. Here's the other thing. We have a great culture around here. I'm so, so proud of you as a church. We're not perfect, but we know that we're not perfect. So we lean on God. This is a good group of people. And if we will keep being dependent on the word, if we will still be genuine and authentic, if we will serve our city, we are right now in such a good place to minister to those around us. This church has such a good, such a good reputation in this town. And so I challenge you and I just, I implore you, get involved in this process so we can be on the same page, so we can walk in step with each other, so we can go out and be equipped to reach the lost. Get involved in this process. Let's walk this out together. So we have to commit. We have to commit. 2022, we have to be more of a Matthew chapter 9, uh, 28, 19 through 20 church than we've ever been. We have to disciple, we have to baptize, we have to teach. It's not trying to reinvent the wheel or do something new. It's doing what Jesus has always been telling us to do, but do it more. Listen, I don't know. I don't, some of you who've been in Murfreesboro for a while, I've been here since 1998. It's not the same town that it used to be. This city needs the church. I'm telling you, the world needs the local church now more than I've ever seen it in my life. Bill Heibel said one time, the local church is the hope of the city. It is. It 100% is. We have got to step up. And listen, you and I are in a position right now 
more than we've ever been since I've, I've started this church and been involved with this. We are in such a position now for God to do amazing things through us. Amazing things. So what now? Listen, what now? Be at church. Listen, I, I know you're here now. Be here. I know that things come up. I know that life is crazy. I know you have other things to do. Be at church. Be here. I'm gonna tell you, every time I talk to someone that has slid away from their relationship with Jesus, their lack of church attendance is always a part of the conversation. Be at church. Even if you don't wanna be here, be here. You need to be here. Not just, and if you don't like me and if you don't like this place, wherever you go to church, be there. Get plugged in. You don't have to come to this church, but you need to be at church. We also need to be praying. We had a great prayer night last night. It was really, really good. But we need to be praying every day. Not just praying, settle down and listen. Turn off the radio. We're about to start a fast on Monday. To me, the food part's not hard. I'm already a vegetarian. I've already given up pleasure a long time ago, right? <laughs> so, so listen. The <laughs> to me, the best thing about the fast is turning off all my music, all the shows that I watch, and opening up that time to either read my Bible, listen to something spiritual, watch something spiritual. Listen, slow down, stop. Read the word of God and apply the word of God. This is the bedrock of our faith, these things. Do these things. Commit to these things this year. Get involved in some kind of community. If you're a teenager, go to, go to Encounter, go to Evident, get involved in Eon. If you're, in a, if you're an adult, get in some kind of a small group. Start a small group. Get involved in community. Find a place to serve, either in the church or outside of the church. Even if you don't wanna serve in a nonprofit or in the church, make it a point to do something every single week. Volunteer at the Salvation Army or mow your neighbor's grass or whatever it is. Get involved and give back. And listen, make this a year where you pray and fast for your community. Like I said, if Murfreesboro has ever needed the church, and we think because of Murfreesboro, we have some really big, good churches that we're killing it, we're not. In 2017, only 30% of Rutherford County went to any house of worship. Now, I'm gonna tell you, all 30% of those people are not saved. So we're not hitting home runs. And I would say it's a lot less now because the churches in this town are not growing as fast as this town. You need to pray for Murfreesboro. You need to pray for the state of Tennessee. You need to pray for the United States. As cheesy as it may sound, just pray for the world. God, we need you. We need a revival. What now? We need to be willing to be discipled. You younger people in here, you need to hook up with someone older than you and learn some things from them. Maybe if they're not even older than you in age, older than you in their spiritual age. Man, there's some things I could learn from some 20-somethings in here besides what's cool and not cool, right? <laughs> be discipled and then be committed to being a disciple maker. We don't only need to learn and be held accountable. There needs to come a time where every single one of us in this room teaches other people and holds other people accountable too. If you've been a Christian for more than three years, it's time for you to start making disciples. That's the Jesus model. We must also be contributors. I'm not even talking about money here. 
I mean, we need to contribute our finances as well, but I'm talking about your energy, your talent, your time. We live in a culture that is all about taking, and that is not the way of Christ. Christ said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. I came to give to you. And we as the followers of Christ, we are not to be consumers, we are to be contributors. Of course, there are times when we need to consume and get filled up, but it is for the sake of going and pouring out, for giving back, for making the world. Jesus calls us in Matthew chapter five, the salt and light of the earth. Light doesn't take, light gives. It illuminates, right? Salt doesn't take, it gives. It gives flavor, it gives purpose. That's what we're called to do to be contributors, the salt and the light of the world, because it's all about his kingdom. God is setting you and I up. God is blessing this church so much, and it's not because God loves us any more than anyone else. It's because we've been committed to the word. It's because we've been generous. It's because we have allowed anyone to walk through these doors and hear the gospel. And God is blessing that. And God has placed you and I in a position this year. I have never been more on the edge of my seat as I am right now. That God is going to do something huge with us. But we have got to stay humble. We've got to stay diligent. We've got to be focused. We've got to be selfless. We've got to be hungry. We have to be expectant. God, I know you're about to blow the roof off this place. Listen, 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 listen. You and I are invited to be instrumental. Instrumental. Listen, Jesus didn't just die on a cross to save you. Jesus died on a cross to use you, to empower you to go out and be the catalyst for his kingdom advancing. And what that means is when his kingdom advances, that's less people that spend eternity in hell and more people that, that spend eternity with Christ in heaven. We get to be a part of that, not just in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Because of you, whether you've ever been to Africa or not, there are literally hundreds of people getting saved in Africa because of this church. There are people getting Bibles in their hands. There are men, young men who are raised on the streets, getting off the streets and working jobs and starting businesses and saying, yes, ma'am, and no, sir, and becoming good citizens because of you. There are people in Southeast Asia hearing the gospel over secret radio waves, giving their lives to Christ, even though their life is on the line. They're hearing the gospel because of you. There are churches planted in rural places like Woodbury in Shelbyville, Tennessee, and we're gonna plant churches all over the state because of you. This is eternity. This isn't so we can just brag about how good we are. This is so we can have a hand in someone spending eternity with Christ versus being separated from him. That's good news. We get invited to be a part of that. Listen, if you haven't heard any word I have said tonight, I want you to put this deep in your heart. People need what you have. They need what you've been exposed to. 
They need Christ. They need the gospel. It is the gospel that saves marriages. It is the gospel that restores families. It is the gospel that delivers people from hopelessness so they don't decide to take their lives or hurt someone else. It is the gospel that saves the souls of people, changes the hearts. And we have access to this. And we've been given this information and how selfish of us if we are to not to go out into our community and share this light. It is our calling, it is a command, and I hope it is our desire. Is the world confused more than it ever has been? Hurt more than it ever has been? I say it all the times that the United States right now is absolutely falling apart. But you and I have the answer. You and I have the solution that you don't have to live in that darkness. You don't have to live in that hopelessness. You don't have to live in that anger and in that fear. There's a God that loves you and he changed my life and can change yours too. That we, you and I, brothers, sisters, we have a job to do. And we need to do it now probably more than we've ever had to do it before. We've got to step up, but God is setting us up to do amazing things. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Like I said before, if you are in this room and maybe you are not a believer, maybe I said some things tonight and you're like, man, that's intriguing, but I don't understand. What does that mean? Up here on my right, your left, Pastor Carl is up here. He does all of our small groups. If you would like to ask Carl anything, or if you just want to talk with him for a second, he would love to talk with you. You can ask him anything you want to ask him. There's also men and women on both sides of the stage. If you need prayer for anything in your life, anything, these men and women would love to pray with you. The last thing is, we have communion all the way around this room where we see a lamp on a table. Everyone who has given their life to Jesus and asked Jesus to forgive them of their sins, you're welcome to take the body and blood of Jesus. Here's what I want you to think about though tonight while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. When you're taking communion tonight, not only does communion, the body and blood of Jesus, remind us that God loved us so much that he gave his only son that if we will just believe in him, we'll have eternal life. That's what the Bible says. Not only does it remind us of the cross, communion reminds us that Jesus didn't wanna just save us, he wanted to use us. That we get to be a part of the kingdom advancing. That you and I are set apart for God to, to, to use us to change people's eternities to fix marriages, to fix broken families, to help people out of their depression. You and I get to do that. The body of God, that's who we are. Father, Lord, I love you. God, keep your hand on us, Lord. I pray this year, Lord, I pray we see the most miraculous things, God. I pray we see the most lost people come to know you. I pray that we get to feed and clothe more people, that we get to visit more people in prisons. I pray that your gospel is heard literally all over the world, God, because of this group of people. I pray that we plant more churches. I pray, God, that a fire just ignites in us, Lord, that we've never had before.
God, keep your hand on my brothers and sisters in this room. Lord, keep them safe. Lord, keep us focused on you, Father. Let us be the light that you want us to be. Let us be the salt. God, let us be the church that you want us to be. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. And we pray all these things in your son's name, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. You're welcome to help yourself. Thank you so much.